The Emotionally Uncomfortable Podcast is going live. Yes, you heard that correct. You can come ask your questions and get free live coaching. I'm going to be talking about all things attracting profit and parenting, which if you've been around for a while, profit equals time flexibility, emotional freedom, and all things money and wealth building. And of course, parenting. Come ask about why your kids do what they do, how to motivate your teens, and how you can become the adults they need. And the cool side effect is you can apply these principles to other relationships in your life, like your marriage, team building, and even your own parents. Head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash live to check out the next live podcast recording dates and topics. That's heatherchauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash live, L-I-V-E. See you there. All right, diving in to the Emotionally Uncomfortable Parenting Podcast today, and we are talking about five ways that caring parents accidentally push away their teens. And before we dive in to um, this episode, I want you to know that these are five ways that um, I can also unintentionally push my children away. So before you get into a perfectionist mindset when it comes to parenting, I want you to just like give yourself a break. Um, it is fact that you will screw up your children. No, no, no. You will fuck up your kids in some capacity. Okay. So we just need to like, let that go. Even if you were perfect, which doesn't exist, um, that too can mess up a child because they haven't had any adversity. And I think too often in parenting, we are uh, living, and this is what I was like in my early days of parenting. Um, My oldest is 19, so I've almost been a parent for 20 years. Um, I was 18 when I became a parent. So if you're like, WTF, how old is she? You can figure that out. Um, In my early days, when I started learning about parenting and conscious parenting and all the like gentle parenting, attachment parenting, all of that, uh, because I wanted to be a quote unquote good parent, I realized that so much of that came from a perfectionist lens and I was parenting from a place of fear. And so when you're parenting from a place of fear, perfection is a coping strategy and you're always going to get this confirmation that, you know, you're not doing enough because you're still um, leading from a perfectionist lens. And so I believe parenting is personal growth on steroids. It will definitely lead you back home to yourself. Uh, There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. And I also believe that when you kind of master these emotions of like understanding fear, understanding guilt, shame, all of that, you will feel more confident as a parent. And so that's my goal for you is to always feel more confident. Um, Take what I say and you know, learn from it, commit to a personal development journey, commit to seeing and understanding your children's behavior. But you do need to realize that perfection does not belong here. Um, and whatever your story is, or your journey has been with your children, um, there's something bigger at play. 
and whatever your belief system is, God, universe, source, um, there's something bigger at play. And when you believe like, you know, this is the journey we were supposed to go on. Um, and I am committed to becoming better every day. Then, then you, you begin to relax, you begin to surrender a little bit. And so that's always my intention for you. Um, just a quick note, this is something that we do dive into inside of our mastery program. And you can check that out at heatherchauvin.com forward slash mastery. If you are looking for professional guidance with accountability and support and step-by-step as you are implementing these strategies. So five ways caring parents accidentally push away their teens. So I'm digging into why parenting teens is definitely difficult or different than parenting younger children. If you are listening to this and you have a teenager, you like, you're on the cusp of it and you're like, WTF, like I thought I had everything under control. And then this child became a teen and I now have to talk to them differently. I have to deal with their behaviors differently. You're not alone. Don't worry about it. Um, I also want you to understand how stress management plays a huge role in how our teens respond. Um, and I don't mean stress management for our teenagers. I mean, stress manage our stress management. If you are the type of person that identifies as somebody who's incredibly stressed out, overwhelmed all the time, um, I mean, your children, your younger children will definitely call you out on this as well, but your teens will call you out. Like stress management 101 is a non-negotiable. It is a foundation for healthy relationships regardless. So that plays a key. So if you're like, oh crap, I feel called out. I'm a highly stressed person. You can have a highly stressful job. You can have a highly stressful life. That is different than stress management. You do not need to quit these areas of your life. You need to learn how to cope. Um, and stress management is something I'm hugely passionate about teaching people, which is why I talk about reverse engineering, how you want to feel. And then we're also going to talk about, um, how to cultivate connection with your teen and, um, who's pulling away. So I'm huge on connection and it doesn't always, you know, there's no like, Connection to me is a feeling and I don't need to be in the same country with my child to create connection with them. Um, connection is a relationship. So I want you to even just think about how you feel in certain relationships in your life. And it could be with your parents or it could be other people and how you feel connected to certain people and disconnected to other people. Just observe that because it's not about time. It's not about how much time you um, create with somebody. It's how you make them feel. All right. So five ways caring parents um, accidentally push away their teens. Number one, if you feel called out by all five of these, don't worry. Change is possible. Um, over controlling behavior. So the number one thing that I notice from going from parenting, I'm going to say a toddler or tween to a teenager is what worked when they were younger does not work when they were older. And when you become over controlling, so I'm going to give you an example. Um, you're trying to get your teenager to clean their room. And you're like, if you don't do this, I'm going to take away this. And that teenager is like, oh yeah, do it. And they either 
they're going to become, uh, they're going to do their fight, flight, or freeze, right? Their nervous system, their reaction. They're either going to shut down and they're going to do the opposite of what you want them to do, or they're probably going to argue with you and start a fight. Um, there is ways you, one, step one, you have to watch yourself become controlling. Like I do this, or I did this a lot when my oldest became a teenager. Um, his behaviors were starting to be what I perceived out of control in my mind. And so then I tried to double down and control his behavior. When in reality, what was happening is subconsciously, I was getting very scared and my fears were being triggered. So my biggest fears of him becoming a drug addict and, you know, all the crazy things that we see out in the world, the less control I had over his behavior, like him starting to drive, right? So my brain was going to worst case scenario. Um, him hanging out with people that I didn't like or didn't know him starting to drink him, like all of these things, like the less control I had over where he was, what he was doing, the more controlling I became over his behavior. And that actually created a disconnect in our relationship. So number one, I had to focus on my emotional regulation and observe my controlling behavior. And I had to communicate in a more connected way. So example, the room is not clean. Instead of like barging in there and being like, clean your fucking room, I had to be like, are you able to clean your room today? And if he's like, yes, then I would say, awesome. When do you think this will be done? And sometimes it got done. Sometimes it didn't get done. And then I'd be like, all right, I'm going to come in and help you clean your room. Uh, that would create conflict as well. But I also had to go in and be like, listen, like this is going to get done. I'll give you some time to do it. Like, I'm not going to be on you right now, but this is going to get done. So you have to play this dance between um, caring versus controlling but you can't be a hundred percent completely passive either. So this is like, this is a lifelong journey and, um, you're going to be asking, well, how, but how, but how, but I want you to pay attention. This is also like managing energy. I talk a lot about energy. So it's like managing your controlling energy versus like complete avoidance. You have to find yourself somewhere in the middle and keep coming back to the conversation. So you're like, Hey, like legit a week ago, like how can we be on, on a schedule so that your room gets clean? But this again, comes back to the foundation of the relationship that you've built with your children. So a lot of times what's stressing you out with your kids, um, you have to go back to the foundation of trust. But if you were just trying to control your child's behavior, you are actually going to be pushing them away. Okay. Number two, lack of communication. So one thing that I learned or discovered is the actual skill people say, I want you to help me, um, manage my child's behavior or get my child to do something. But the actual skill that you need to develop as a parent, especially a parent of a teenager is communication skills. And this goes for every intimate relationship that you have. Most people, like I would say 99.9% .9 of the population suck at communication. This is a skill that I've developed over the years of building a team, building a business, 
um, improving my relationships. So people think that this is just a parenting thing. This is, if you want to be successful in any area of your life, you need to like up your communication game. Um, communication is managing energy as well. And this is something I love teaching other people because they don't know how to communicate, but they also get really uncomfortable when it comes to communication. So lack of communication is avoidance. So when we are avoiding communicating with our team or avoiding having those emotionally uncomfortable conversations, we are actually pushing them away because we're kind of putting this like awkward silence between us and them. I have also heard people say, this is my child's fault or this is my teenager's fault. They're not communicating with me. Well, I'm sorry. How do you expect a child? It's not the child's responsibility to, to lead these conversations. If we're doing that, we are expecting a child to become the parent and the adult. And that is how we get overly responsible children is they're doing the work of the adult. So developing the communication skills and continuing to have those emotionally uncomfortable conversations. So let me give you an example of this. Um, I see this a lot in my work. I talk about the red, green, and yellow zones. Green zone is when you're living your best life. Red zone is when you're losing your shit. Okay. Yellow is in the middle. And most people say, oh, my child doesn't have a yellow zone. And I'm like, yes, they do. Or you don't have a yellow zone. You're just not aware of it because you're either not living in it enough, or you just don't have the mind body connection. And you don't understand what happens before you go to red because you're just living so unconsciously. So your child definitely has a yellow zone, but that's not why I'm using this as an example. When we're in the green zone, typically most of us have been taught like when things are going good, we don't want to communicate what happened in the red zone because we um, don't want to quote unquote ruffle any feathers, right? We don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. So we're like, okay, things are good. I see this all the time when things are good. People are like, okay, things are good. So I'm not going to do the work now. And I'm like, well, you should actually be doing the work in the green zone. And that's why you have this like all or nothing mentality. Life is either really good or it's really bad. So when it's quote unquote good, when it's, when you're in the green zone, that is when you need to say, Hey, remember yesterday when things got really heated, when I asked you to clean your room, what happened there? And sometimes when you are talking again, communication, when you're in the green zone, you're coming back to the conversation to have like repair. Um, you will trigger that child to go back in the red zone. You are teaching your child to have respectful conversations with other humans, but you as the adult are teaching your child this. So if you lack these skills, you are teaching your children how to communicate with other adults and they will always go into fight or flight. And I see this a lot with people that come in to my program that are here to heal their relationship with their child. And they are so angry. And I'm like, 
your child is not making you angry and pushing you in your red zone. Your child or teenager is triggering the anger that is already within you. You have to figure out how to communicate and lead because the amount of frustration you have with their behavior, they have equal amount, if not more with your behavior, because they have less control than you. They don't control the environment. They don't control where they live. They don't control what foods in the fridge. So your child actually has less control than you. So you have to figure out how to communicate with them without screaming all the fucking time. So when you're in the green zone, you have to continue to have this conversation. When I started doing this work, my children would go from green to red. Every time I tried to do the repair in the green, I'm like, Hey, yesterday when I asked you to clean your room, blah, blah, blah. And they would go right back up to the red zone. Here is the saying that you say, and I want you to write this down. Listen to this podcast again and again, and pause right here and write this down. Oh, I can see now is not a good time to have the conversation. Let's circle back when we're both calm. Oh, I can see now is not a a time to have this conversation. Let's circle back when we're both calm. I actually um, teach a lot of women how to do this with their partners as well. It could be team members, any other human that is like zero to red oh, I can see now, like, I'm not here to argue. I I see now, like you're not in the right state of mind, or I can see now is not a good, you have to be careful how you say it. Cause you're going to trigger the other person. I can see now is not a good time to have this conversation. Let's try later. And then just leave the situation. I would do this again and again and again and again with my boys, uh, with my partner, with my team. And I'm like, but we're going to circle back. I am not kidding you. Sometimes when you are starting this skill, it would take me a week to talk about the bedroom and why it was fucking messy all the time and how we could come up with a plan so that it wasn't disgusting without yelling. I was persistent with this. Oh, I can see in my head. I'm like, oh, they're in the red zone. Oh, I could see now's not a good time. Let's talk about it later. And then I would only talk to somebody when they were in their green zone. The second somebody went to their red zone, I have a rule for myself. I will not talk to people in their red zone because you can't, you cannot solve any problems when someone's in their red zone. So that communication skill will be a game changer. Number three, ignoring boundaries and personal space. Okay. So this is something that I had to learn. And this is where empathy comes in. A quick word about today's sponsor, AG1. It's important to me that the supplements I take are of the highest quality, and that's why for years I've been drinking AG1. Unlike many supplement brands, AG1 is constantly searching for how to do things better. At 52 iterations of their formula and quality for AG1 isn't just a buzzword. It's a commitment backed by expert-led scientific research, high-quality ingredients, industry-leading manufacturing, and rigorous testing. At each step of the process, AG1 goes above and beyond industry standards. I know I can trust what's in every scoop, 
because it's tested for over 950 contaminants and banned substances, while most of industry standards typically only test for 10. Isn't that crazy? And bonus, my kids love it, especially my teens. Trust AG1 for consistent daily support. Take control of your well-being with AG1. Experience it now and enjoy a complimentary one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 along with five free travel packs with your initial purchase at drinkag1.com forward slash EU. That's drinkag1.com forward slash EU. So I want you to think about how annoyed you are when people disrespect your personal boundaries and chronically enter your personal space. I know that this is a huge issue for parents because they're like, I never feel like I have personal space. I feel like I just want space. I just want space. I want, oh, I just want to breathe. Like I just oh my God, people are on me all the time. People need me all the time. Okay. I get it. So let's put yourself in your child's situation, your teenager's situation. This is also part of the reason why they're in their bedrooms all the time with the door closed. They want space. They want their own space. Think about it. Most of them go to traditional education or they're doing something throughout the day where these adults are dictating their space, all of it and being controlled by adults. And then they come home, they just want personal space. So we enter their personal space. We don't have boundaries. We ignore their boundaries. Um, again, this is a dance, just like the over-controlling behavior. You need to have conversations with your kids about what their boundaries are and personal space. And also to the extreme where they're like, you're in my personal space. And it's like, okay, cool. I'm going to give you 20 minutes, but we do need to have this conversation. So just being mindful of like, am I ignoring their boundaries? And am I giving them the personal space they need? This is a perfect example of me busting in my kid's room and being like, oh, I want to talk to you. And they're like, please leave. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. We need to respect our children um, if we want to be respected by our children. I'm going to say that again. We need to respect our children if we want to be respected by our children. Um, okay. Number four, unrealistic expectations and pressure. This is a good one. And I want to tell a story that I vividly remember. And in hindsight, I know that this person did not mean to hurt my feelings. So growing up, I struggled academically. Um, I probably, I, I believe that any child can thrive regardless of ability and you just have to kind of figure out what ticks for that child. And to be honest, it would require a lot of self-awareness, a lot of resources. And I think it's just a lifelong journey, but I don't think anyone, I don't believe in stupid people. I don't believe people lack intelligence. I think there's a lot of different types of intelligence and we just need to find what works for the child. But we also need to like not put a round uh, peg in a square hole and unrealistic expectations and pressure. So my, I remember this like, like it was yesterday, my grandfather, 
So I don't remember what I got in school, but let's say I got like 75 on my report card. I was so proud of myself because 75 was a high mark for me. I typically did not get great grades. And I remember telling him I got 75 in a class or it was an average or something. And he looked me dead square in the eyes and he said, you can do better than that. That was his response. And I remember feeling so deflated. And I know in hindsight that my grandfather had such a good heart. He was just like a hard, you know, just old school. And as a child, I took that to heart and I was like, I'm never good enough. I'm stupid. And that was internally the story that I told myself, not because of that one comment, but collective comments like that. And it was the unrealistic expectations of not being seen or heard as a child that really made me feel disconnected from a lot of adults in my life because they didn't, they didn't know or care. No, they didn't know I was struggling academically. They did by, by my marks, but I I never had an empathetic ear of an adult saying like, it's okay. Like you are not defined by your marks. Let's figure this out. Nobody ever like sat next to me and like empathetically communicated with me and listened to me. Um, and I think that's like the common experience for most kids. Now pressure. I see this a lot with parents of families, like sports families, um, academic pressure and, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, things might look really, really good on the outside, but your child's having panic attacks. Um, there's a lot of self-esteem challenges going on or confidence eating disorders. And I need you to put yourself in your child's shoes for a second. If somebody put all of this pressure on you, and I do understand they say pressure creates diamonds, but pressure also creates disordered eating and pressure also creates mental health crisis. So we're not fucking diamonds. We are not rocks. We have feelings. We are humans. And so there is a delicate dance between expectations and pressure that we can have high expectations for our children but we can also meet them where they're at and we can challenge them to grow. But when we apply too much pressure without actually listening to the child or advocating for the child, um, they can shut down completely and you are pushing them away and they are just going to go cope in other ways. They're going to go drink, do drugs, like literally connect with other people that help them numb and feel that pressure um, or numb that pain. So it is very, very important, um, to have those conversations with your children, which go back to the communication skills. Um, I know that some kids in general will just, uh, naturally put pressure on themselves cause they're human. Um, I know a few of my kids do that actually probably all of them. And we talk a lot about pressure and we talk a lot about like them putting that pressure on themselves. And I'm like, who's putting that pressure on you? I'm not. Um, and then we talk about pressure and we talk about like how to relieve that mentally and how not to let the expectations of others, um, you know, bring us down. And this is, this is lifelong. This is a lifelong journey, right? Like I put pressure on myself. I have expectations for myself. It's something we need to manage. It's never going to go away. Um, 
I think it's more about self-awareness and having those conversations. And number five, the five of the five ways caring parents accidentally push their teens away. Oh, you ready for this one? You're not going to like it. Avoiding doing your own emotional healing work. And this is kind of connected to the other four, because when we're over controlling, we're parenting from a place of fear. When we are avoidant and lacking communication, we are just avoiding having uncomfortable conversations because it's new to us and we don't know how to do it. Uh, when we are annoying, when we are ignoring our child's boundaries and personal space, it's typically because we don't have boundaries and we don't know how to cultivate personal space for ourselves. Um, and unrealistic expectations and pressure. Again, it's vulnerability and it's, you know, just the push, 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 push. So number five is if you feel disconnected from your teen, if you feel like you have really messed up this relationship, you've swung so far to the other side of the pendulum, maybe your child isn't even talking to you anymore. The first thing I want you to do is understand that like change is possible. I've seen it in my work so many times where parents have come in and they're like, I'm estranged from my teenager. They won't even talk to me anymore. And by doing their own emotional work and kind of, you know, the child or the teenager has brought them to this work, but they are, uh, they've repaired their relationship. And oftentimes I've seen the child come back I've seen it again and again. There's two people in particular that I'm thinking about. And she's like, Heather, never in a million years did I think this would repair the relationship. And it did. But you have to be willing to do the work and be willing to show up. The last thing I want to say about this, because it's something I'm incredibly passionate about and something I don't think a lot of parenting people talk about is you know, parenting is a relationship. And when you are trying to parent a teen, regardless of the child's mental health, um, you know, they're still a human and at the core of everything, it's a relationship. And so you have to have relationship skills. And I think parenting is one of those things where it really challenges you to grow as a human. Um, it triggers you on a primal level and it will drastically shift all areas of your life if you're willing to grow. Self-awareness is essential. You need to do your own emotional healing because in any relationship, it takes two people. But the only person you have control over is you. The last thing I wanted to say about this is when our children push away from us, it's they're not actually pushing away from us, okay? We are just making it about us. Their behavior is telling us something about their struggles. So sometimes I see people saying, my child is disrespecting me. My child is doing things to piss me off. My child doesn't respect the home. They don't respect blah, blah, blah. Typically what I see is one, the adult doesn't even know how to respect themselves. So the child is just showing you that like they're triggering that within you. But number two is the child is struggling. I'm going to say this again. The child is struggling and we're projecting onto the child and they're already struggling. So I'm going to give you this visual. 
you are in a pool. Okay. You're walking in the pool. You get in the pool. Your feet are firmly planted in the shallow end. You're fine. Okay. But then you start to walk towards the deep end. And we're going to pretend that you know how to swim. So being a teenager, trying to navigate all these areas of your life, plus additional shit on top of that, um, friends, relationships, trying to figure out your own mental health, having no education or not a lot of life experience, um, just so much going on. It's like you, you can swim in the deep end. Okay. So you're just like, okay, I can barely figure this out, but I'm swimming in the deep end. I, I know how to swim. Okay. You're swimming, you're swimming, you're swimming, no life raft, no nothing. And then your parents and all the other adults start throwing things at you in the pool. Can you hold this for me? Can you hold this book? Can you hold this brick? Can you hold this whatever? People start tossing expectations at them. And they're barely, barely, barely holding it together. And then adults are projecting their own expectations onto this child. You need to clean your room. You need to learn how to manage your money. You need to learn how to manage your own mental health. You need to learn how to eat better. You need to get better grades. What is wrong with you? Your friends are shit. Like, get your act together. Why are you disrespecting me? All of these demands on a teenager's brain, you have to remember they are barely swimming to begin with. Their brains are growing at a rapid pace and the amount of pressure being thrown at them is immense. So you have, you may not be able to empathize with them because you're so in your own emotional crap and you're like, Heather, this child is driving me nuts. I totally get it. Trust me. I've been there. Um, and I'm entering that phase again and it is it's not fun. And so it has been very difficult for me as a parent of teenagers to have empathy when I am so in my own shit. But that's the last piece I wanted to keep you with is there's five ways that caring parents are accidentally pushing away their teens. But at the end of the day, beyond these five ways that we are pushing them away, they just want connection. And we are their role models and we are adults that our kids need to help them. And at the end of the day, if you can just sit with your teen and say, I don't expect a, an apology from you, but I want to apologize for all the ways that I've hurt you. Or how can I be a better like service and support for you? Um, you will go a lot further, uh, repairing the damage that you have done with your child, just apologizing for your behavior alone. There are still moments in my adult life when I think, oh man, if my parents just apologized for how they treated me, um, not once have I gotten a, I'm sorry. And I'm telling you right now that can go a long way with your child. You don't need to know how to repair. You don't even need to know how to change your behavior. You can be committed to figuring it out, but that can, again, relieve so much pressure from your teenager. So 
just know that they are not here to make your life miserable. They are struggling and they don't know how to ask for help. Um, so that's five ways caring parents accidentally push away their teens. And that's it. If you gain value from this episode, please, please take a screenshot or share it with a friend. Um, you can tag me at Heather Chauvet. And as always, if you want more step-by-step support, one-on-one guidance with accountability and feedback and all the things, then go check out our program. It's called Mastery. We help you live, work, play, and parent on your own terms. You can check that out at Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash mastery. I sometimes joke that I wish I taught people how to make green smoothies for a living, but I know I'm doing that because I'm trying to run away from what brings me joy. And what brings me joy is helping women and men, families in general, and children feel alive. And sometimes that journey to feeling alive is painful. It's emotionally uncomfortable, and it's not always easy. This is why I created the Aligned Life Quiz. So if you're tired of being tired, you want to stop just surviving, and you want to find out exactly where to focus and access realistic tools to confidently manage your energy, emotions, and impact, you can head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N dot com forward slash life quiz. It takes you two minutes and it's going to show you. I call them internal leadership skills. Where do you need to focus your energy and attention for the quickest results? And also, which phase are you living in? So head on over to heatherchauvin.com forward slash life quiz to take the aligned life quiz right now. If you're ready to stop just surviving and you want to start thriving, but you don't know how to manage it all, go there. It will take you two minutes and it will change your life. I also, on the inside, show you which podcast episodes to listen to based on your quiz results. HeatherChauvin.com forward slash life, L-I-F-E, quiz. Quiz.